Hello, my name is Ruth, and today we are joined by John Lata to discuss the publication of his newest collection of poetry, Some Alphabets. Welcome, John. Um, Thank you. Could you please give us a brief introduction of yourself for our audience? Sure. Uh, thank you for, for having me. I live in Ann Arbor, uh, Michigan. Uh, currently, I've worked uh, 25 years or so at the University of Michigan Library. I'm sort of a clerical drudge, is one way to put it. Uh, but I, I actually like the library. I like being surrounded by books. I like the environment. Um, I started writing poems uh, basically in high school in the late 60s. Uh, and I went to high school here in Ann Arbor. Uh, Donald Hall was at the University of Michigan and used to bring in lots of poets. Uh, and the Poets in the Schools program was pretty active then so that I saw people like Ted Berrigan and the British poet Tom Rayworth came to high school and, uh, you know, sort of amazed us all. And uh, I've continued writing poetry with some sort of fallow periods. Uh, some Alphabets, newly out from Agincourt Press, is my third published book. It's preceded by Rubbing Torsos from Ithaca House in 1979 and Breeze from the University of Notre Dame Press in 2003. Um, very, very widely spaced out books. Uh, I, I like to tell people I try to get one out every quarter of a century. So <laughs> this one's speeding up, speeding it up a little bit. Yep, for sure. Um, so about some alphabets, this collection is filled with such funky diction. Um, could you tell us about how you conceptualized this project and why it was important for you to create um, this collection? In terms of diction, I, I've always loved words, sort of words as things, uh, the way they look, the, the shape they have, the, the, the way they sound, um, what, what's called, I guess, their material existence. Um, when I started writing the poems in some alphabets, um, I was involved at the library in a project digitizing uh, the corpus of early English books, uh, books that basically date from the beginning of print in 1456 through 1700. And um, so I was proofreading a lot of uh, these texts. And this is a period when before uh, spelling orthography got standardized, different printers actually would have different ways of spelling things. Um, and so I, I began collecting uh, uh, bits of language that, that I found in, in work that I was proofreading. Um, so so that, that sort of enters into the language of some of these poems. Um, the book itself uh, is made up of five alphabets, that is uh, alphabets arranged by title, the, the first batch, uh, the titles go Askance, Bent, Contempt, Doodle. Um, that's just to give you an idea. Um, and 
every poem is, uh, it, they're all in a five word line, uh, 16 line form. Um, and I, I sort of, I, I got into that out of a, a perceived need to, uh, to sort of pare down what I was writing. I, I seem to be writing very long, unwieldy, aimless kind of things um, prior to this. And I thought, you know, I need to work in a shorter form. So now I have short, unwieldy, aimless things, I suppose. <laughs> Besides the word and line count that, that uh, defines these poems, um, I, some groups, some alphabets have other constraints, uh, although they're not always strictly followed. The second batch of poems in the book, um, I, I always admired this poem by W.H. Auden called The Fall of Rome, um, which has a very simple rhyme, rhyme scheme, uh, an A-B-B-A rhyme, rhyme scheme. One stanza goes, Caesar's double bed is warm as an unimportant clerk writes, I do not like my work on a pink official form. And so uh, if, if you notice in, in the second uh, group of poems in some alphabets, you'll find tiny uh, echoes of that rhyme scheme, uh, sometimes uh, popping into the, into the poems. Um, in the fourth batch of alphabets, there's also uh, a kind of dialogue between an I and a U or a, an I who's addressing himself or berating himself as a U or, or whatever. Um, there, that's all to say that there were other sort of constraints that entered into my structuring of the poems while I was writing them, so, some of which I've, I've probably forgotten. and and none of which were very strictly adhered to. So. Yeah, as a follow-up to that question, I guess, um, given the playful nature um, and form of the collection, I wanna ask, how do you balance play with your goals for writing when it comes to creating a new poem? That's an interesting question, um, because I wonder what goals I really have when I'm writing a poem. Um, I'm reminded of uh, William Carlos Williams' famous definition of a poem being a small or large machine made of words, um, and and it, that that seems apt. And I, I'm not sure the, a machine has any goal be, besides being itself. Um, I think I think I engage in the activity of writing poems just just for its own sake, uh, without any not not for any particular result, but just to fulfill that uh, I suppose human drive towards making things. Although I do I do think that in periods when I'm doing a lot of writing, that I'm more liable to uh, pay attention to the world, to be observant and there and present in a way that other times I might not. Um, I wouldn't be the first to say that writing a poem is, is engaging in serious play. So I think in a way I'm, I'm amusing myself just on the chance or maybe with some small intent that others too might 
be amused by what I'm doing. Yeah. Finally, um, which poem is your favorite um, from Sun Alphabets, and why would you say so? Yeah, that's a hard question. Um, I I th I thought about this a bit, and uh, maybe maybe the poem called Zone. Uh, which is after the poem by Guillaume Apollinaire, of the same name, uh, a much longer poem that begins, à la, fin tu as, à la fin tu es là de ce monde ancien, literally, at the end you're tired of this ancient world, and then ends with this image, soleil coupé, or sun cut neck. Um, I'll read, I'll read, uh, because it's very short, that final lassitude, O shepherdess, fed up with Greek antiquity, drowsy and remiss. The ample sky fills up with thousands of soot-daubed swifts, circumnavigating fiery smokestacks. To God, to God, the chittering goes. Hungry men bang incinerators open one by one. What falshed in, is in marriage means the sign is hanging off the door. So the dare, the haughty zone, the unpresuming shrug. So the immense defiant pity for what one cannot say. Moon is not moon, moon is sawn bone. That reworks a few of Apollinaire's lines, um, most notably, of course, changing the sun at, at the end of his poem to the moon. And um, somehow, to me, the poem seems to be about what's what's unsayable. What uh, uh, moon is not moon. Uh, the, the difficulties of, of really connecting any poem to the real. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I guess also about what, what nevertheless tries to get said in spite of, in spite of it all. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your reading and for talking with us today about Some Alphabets. Some Alphabets is out now through Agincourt Press and you can find it on Amazon as an ebook and also on small press distribution as a paper book.